Let's see. Hey, everybody. Welcome to We Just Talking, um, episode two. This is pretty exciting here. And um, as I mentioned, I was going to have some guests joining me. And so tonight I have my aunt, um, Dorothy Lamb. So here she is over here. <laughs> so um, welcome her to We Just Talking. Um, she is my dad's sister um, and also a lovely artist. And I am going to let you kind of give a little bit of background. Tell the people who you are. <laughs> okay, sounds good. So, as she said, I'm Dorothy Lamb. I'm her aunt. And um, I am a retired nurse. Uh, I spent most of my career working for the state of Michigan, 16 years with the Michigan Department of, of uh, Mental Health and 14 years with the Michigan Department of Corrections. That's with the prisoners. Uh, but most of my uh, career has been at the management level. Uh, I retired 20 years ago. That, so, that's a good reason to go. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I have two sons, uh, of course, adults, and one grandson. And I'm trying to influence somebody to give me another grandson or granddaughter. Oh, that sounds like uh, something that a lot of parents are trying to influence their kids to do. Yes, we want some legacy. Um, so, I don't think I knew you worked in a jail. We never talked about that, I did that. Well, um, I didn't actually work, well, I guess I did spend a couple of uh, months, a few months mm -hmm. uh, in an actual uh, prison. Mm. Uh, because my um, my actual job was in the state's capital in Lansing, mm -hmm. which was 75 miles from my home. And so my boss was trying to give me a break. And so he said, well, we can, you know, I was at administration. So he said, we can put you up in one of the prisons. We'll make, you know, we'll make an office for you in one of the prisons. And so my very first time, uh, going to my office by myself, it meant uh, going across the prison yard oh and the prisoners were, were yelling at me, hey, sweetie, hey, Slim, hey, baby. And I thought, oh my God, they're gonna snatch me out of my skin. <laughs> and then something said, wait a minute, you've heard those kind of calls before. Yeah. You know, it, this isn't prison talk. This is guy talk. On yeah, the yeah. So yeah. I just said, I, I respond to Miss Lamb. Right? Yes. Thank they you. start calling me Miss Lamb. Yes, and thank <laughs> you. <laughs> Share with them how you got also into to artistry because you are a great artist. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> yes. Well, um, there's raw artistic talent in the family. Yes. It's on my dad's side. And basically, everybody um, in in that line, including you, uh, including you, Tony <laughs> denies it too. But um, <laughs> we all have the raw materials, and mm -hmm. then you just have to hone it. And That's, so, yeah. um, my uncle Paul, that was that was all he did. That was his career, mm -hmm. um, a freelance artist. And so I thought, I want to be a freelance artist. But mm -hmm. then 
I noticed that Uncle Paul was poor as a church mouse, and I didn't want to live my life poor as a church mouse. <laughs> but uh, I do feel like um, recreated when when um, when I draw and mm -hmm. when I create something. It it really does do something for me, my spirit. Um, yeah. So anyhow, but I guess let's get into it because we have all the words as we were talking about. And we can chat about whatever all day. <laughs> all day. All day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um as I was I was I was sharing with in my last podcast with the audience this month, I wanted to start off um this series, um, or this podcast, however you want to call it, um, with black history series. Right. And I said, who my when I decided to do it, I'm like, who better to talk about black history than my family? Um, because it's not just anybody's history. It's our history. And uh, and I feel like we don't talk about it. Like when we were talking the other day, you were telling me some things and I was like, man, I should have feel like I should have known this before, like, you know, before now. And right. so. Um, and our history is Black history, right? Oh, yeah. So um, I said, um, their stories need to be told and heard. Um, and they're still relevant. And um, I feel like a little bit our history, not just our family history, but Black history, really, is kind okay. of being lost. Um, it's being lost a little bit or watered down um, or glossed over just because it makes people a little uncomfortable to talk about it. Um, but a lot of things in history are uncomfortable to talk about, but yes. it happened and we have to talk about it and know about it so we can do better. Yes. Otherwise, you know, we just keep doing the same things. And that's what they say is the definition of insanity. We're just doing the same thing and hoping right. for, um, for a different outcome. A different outcome. <laughs> and it, so far, I don't know if it's working. <laughs> so, so yeah. So, um, and I was just thinking about it as I was telling you. You know, like most of my family members, generation above me, grew up during civil rights right. and um, segregation and integration and um, and like I always think my granddaddy used to say things to us when we were little. And we'll say, Granddaddy, you don't know what you're talking about. Things are different. It's not right. like this anymore. And then 2020 right. happened. And I was like, well, maybe Granddaddy was not to something. I don't know. Exactly. And exactly. I'm like, well, and I thought, I'm glad he's not here to see this again. But a lot of y'all are here to see this again. Yes. And, um, so, yeah. So, um, I guess... I know the perspective just because I grew up in Alabama and around everybody that kind of grew up in Alabama. So like what it was kind of like in the South during like integration and civil rights. But I would like to hear what your perspective was growing up in Detroit. Yeah, during the 60s, I was in high school. Okay, so. Because I, I graduated high school in 63. Gotcha, okay. Um, but, was it already integrated then? Oh, yeah. Yes? Oh, yeah. The, nice. the North was integrated but separated, okay? Mm. So um, my um, 
primary elementary school and middle school was almost all black. Mm. My neighborhood was all black. And we knew where there were white neighborhoods and we knew that they didn't want us in those neighborhoods. Mm. Uh, and so there was no law that said we couldn't live in those neighborhoods, but the white people who lived in those neighborhoods mostly had an agreement with each other not to sell to a black family. Oh, really? And, uh, yeah. So the, the last uh, house that daddy bought, um, he bought it in a primarily white neighborhood. And Was that the Canterbury? Yes. Yes. Okay. So when we moved in, the the for sale signs started shooting up all down the street. Really? Because yeah, because they were like, oh no, <laughs> black <laughs> people move moving on our street. Yeah. And they got. I mean, they sold those those houses fast. Are they you kidding me? So um, yeah, but again. Uh, it wasn't institutionalized segregation. You know, mm -hmm. I never, never saw a sign that said, you know, black people use the back door or this is mm -hmm. the black fountain and this is the white fountain. I never saw those kind of signs, but we just knew, you know, stay out of those areas. Uh, don't go to that um, uh, movie theater. Don't go to that nightclub, that kind mm -hmm. of thing. Um, and, um, it was, uh, it was interesting because, uh, during that time there were, uh, militant black people. And then there were people like me who was not militant. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I was afraid to be militant. I mean, I was reading about the freedom riders who, you know, were riding the Greyhound bus and, yeah. and the bus would stop to, you know, so that they could go in the restaurant and get some food yeah. and, uh, and, and they would be pulled off the bus and beaten. Well, in my mind, um, how does it, how does it help me as a black person to earn my uh, uh, equality to get dragged off a bus and beaten to death. Yeah. yeah. So I was trying to figure out, isn't there another way? Yeah. <laughs> isn't there another way we can do this? Uh -huh. You know, do we really have to die? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, there were, um, uh, particularly when I was in college, um, there were groups, you know, some of them were Black Panthers, some of them were other um, militant groups mm -hmm. that were trying to do things, trying to uh, make a difference. And uh, me and and some of my friends, we would go to some marches, we would go to some demonstrations mm -hmm. uh, and so forth. And then um, by the time I graduated college and I was in maybe my second or third job, um, I found out that um, if we had been uh, going to marches and demonstrations, that we that the FBI probably had a file on us. Really? Yeah. And um, I I don't I never checked 
one of my coworkers said, you know, you better check. And I thought, well, if they've got to file, what, what can I do about it? Yeah. You know, he encouraged me, uh, said, well, you know, did you go to, you know, did you go to the uh, Martin Luther King March? And I did, I did go, but I, I didn't march like the, the whole way. They yeah. it ended up downtown. And so, you know, I went downtown. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> End of the march. Um, so I, I think that at least in my little head, mm-hmm. um, the, the nonviolent um, movement of Martin Luther King made the most sense to me because yeah. I didn't know anything about guns. There were no guns in our house. Yeah. Uh, and I, I knew nothing about guns. So it didn't make sense to me to be, you know, peeking around a corner with a gun. That just, that was just not, not who I am. Yeah. And, and then the problem with the nonviolent movement was the only people nonviolent were the black people who were getting, you know, dogs sicked on them and, mm-hmm. you know, firemen spraying them with uh, 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 water, you know, from the hoses. The hoses. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, pulling them out and beating them up. And uh, so that didn't appeal to me. Yeah, <laughs> that right. didn't appeal to me, you know, from that perspective. Yeah. Um, so I was sort of... Um, and there was a point at which I was embarrassed to tell people that, that, you know, I was sort of sitting someplace in the middle trying to figure out, okay, when are they going to get to the part where we go to court and, you know, and nobody gets beat up? Yeah. Well, I don't blame you. As I'm listening to you, it makes me think. So like in 2020, when people were marching, I mean, of course we were in COVID, so there was that kind of layer. Um, we also need to stay alive from this yes. disease, but um, we were seeing it, we were seeing it on TV. Like, I would tell, I would tell Casey, are we supposed to go march? Like, do we need to go out here? And then I'm like, but what if, like, something bad happens? Like, I, I don't want to get hurt. <laughs> like, exactly. and so I completely understand that thought process. And it's like, well, how do you support from afar? Right. So that makes sense. Maybe- during the, you know, 2020 thing, uh, Kenny called me and he said, um, mom, can you come to Cincinnati and, and, and watch, uh, uh, he didn't say the baby, I always call, always call me the baby. (laughs) (laughs) Can you come and watch Kenny? I'm going to DC. And I'm Uh like, uh, no. (laughs) And he said, I, you know, I can't sit here and 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 watch this happening. And I was like, "Well, baby, I, I I'm not coming." Oh no! I'm, I'm begging you not to go. Yeah. Okay? And uh, I think he was he was frustrated with me, but what could he do, right? I wasn't coming. <laughs> he wasn't taking him with him. <laughs> Barely. <laughs> right. Um, but it, it was. Um, it was it was difficult to walk that line. On the mm-hmm. one hand, um, everything that militant people and nonviolent people 
were trying to do made so much sense. And I certainly wanted to benefit from every, you know, every ounce of it. Yeah. Uh, but I kept thinking there's got to be a way to do this where you're not sacrificing your life. I'd like to see what happens at the end of it, you know? Yeah, yeah, like for sure. There at yes. the end of it. Yeah. Um, so um, I, by the time um, I was uh, in college, um, you know, a lot of the um, um, really terrible, violent uh, demonstrations had kind of passed. Mm -hmm. um, um, but, you know, a lot of people died during those times and a lot of people were hurt during those times. And um, a lot, the other part, I think, that um, made me less reluctant maybe to get, to jump into the fire, so mm -hmm. to speak, was that um, my life experiences at that point had been you know, uh, pretty pale. Yeah. Um, I, we, we lived in, in a black cocoon more or less, mm -hmm. uh, where we were, you know, supported and I guess you could say protected by our black environment. So yeah. we weren't, you know, we weren't being, um, you know, looked at and, and disallowed. Um, mm -hmm. cause the places that we would have been disallowed, we didn't go. And I've watched all these movies over the past few years. Like, I feel like they've brought out like so many films, like talking about talking about the past and like the milit the militant people. Um, there was like that movie Judas and the Judas and the Black Messiah. Yeah, um, I saw that too. Yeah, in which it was a great film, and I'm like, this man like had so much life really left to live, and it was taken away. And, the FBI had a file on <laughs> and I was like, right. said, you know and right. so like I guess anybody that made too much noise became like the target I guess like well especially if if you were willing to actually be where the action was mm -hmm. you know yeah um it, it if you were willing to actually be where the action was it was probably, you know, it's probably like, um, you know, how we're having these mass shootings at schools and malls mm -hmm. and things like that. Well, the people who end up not getting shot, it's not because they weren't there, it's because mm -hmm. they lucked out, you know? Yeah. Um, and so likewise, um, with a lot of the demonstrations where um, there, you know, there was action, violence and that kind of thing. Uh, often the, the people who didn't get hurt or, or didn't end up getting killed, um, you know, some people say, well, it wasn't their time, you know, yeah. uh, but they quote unquote lucked out. And it just um, didn't happen to go that day. Right. Um, so it's, I, I think that many of us during that same time, uh, time period, um, experienced a lot of different things, you know, yeah. it, it, a lot depended on your choices, you know, um, and I, and, you know, I have to say that 
I'm thankful everybody wasn't as selfish as I was. <laughs> Some people said, hey, I'm willing yeah. to make that sacrifice, you know, and yeah. and those of us who didn't, you know, benefited from the sacrifices that they made. It was mm -hmm. interesting, too, because um, I remember one of the, um, I think it was the Freedom Riders, uh, one of them was a white woman, and um, she was among the people that was killed because mm -hmm. how dare she support uh, black people, you know, in this situation. Yeah. So, um, there was there was that element as well, you know. You know what? It's interesting that you say that because I feel like um, if we compare, you know, back the civil rights movement in the 60s versus the civil rights movement in 2020, there were a lot more people um, allies, right, as they, they called it. Um, so people, non-Black people supporting, saying, hey, the things that are happening, okay, everybody should have the same freedoms regardless of how they look, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so, but I don't feel like you see a whole lot of that, like, happening back then. And so, and it's interesting that you bring it up that there was a white lady, and I'm sure there she wasn't the only one, right? That was, you know, saying, "Hey, I, I, everybody is a person. We're all people, right. and there's no reason why any of us should be treated any differently, any differently. Like, if I can afford to do something, if I can afford to buy this house in this nice neighborhood, then." Right. I'm gonna buy this house in this nice neighborhood. Right, um, right. And so, and and I think I, I talked about this in the last episode of, you know, I grew up in the 80s and we were still having to live, not having, but we still essentially live next door to people that look like us. Right. And so when I moved to Texas, um, when I moved to Texas, and I saw that everybody lived next door to each other. I'm like, what? is this what the world is really like? <laughs> is this like is, so was it not normal that people of different races didn't live together? That's that's not normal, <laughs> you know? Right, right. And so, but um, I think it's just tradition, I guess. But it's starting... It, it's changing because now we're all neighbors, right? Um, but is it changing? <laughs> right. I was going to say, um, I think that uh, one of the things that uh, we're seeing anyway, um, in especially in large cities, mm -hmm. is uh, gentrification. Yes. And so um, you have... Uh, some areas of, of major cities that have been uh, all black, uh, have been uh, like an oasis for, for, for black people to live. And um, in some cases, in some cases, you know, middle income housing. And um, what's happened is that white people are moving back to the city. And um, in like condos and apartments and things like that, 
the um, they're pricing black people out. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, parts of Detroit are changing in terms of, you know, what it looks like. Mm. And it's interesting that um, what may start out as uh, a more diverse environment, uh, if you price people out, um, it, it won't stay diverse. You know, it'll wow. end up. And, and um, it, you have to pay when they gentrify, right? Um, something that normally, for instance, a uh, sorority sister of mine was telling me about uh, a friend who lived in a downtown um, apartments. Mm-hmm. And one day they just sent out a notice to everybody that what was uh, going at that time for something like $1,800 a month mm-hmm. uh, from now on was going to be almost double that. And or the same thing, though. Yeah. They, they weren't upgrading anything. They weren't improving anything. Just like, well, you know, this is December and January. We're going to be charging you know, mm. twice the amount. And so naturally, if you could afford that, I guess you could stay. Mm-hmm. But if you couldn't afford it, you had to go. And um, and so that was a lot of um, uh, gentrification occurred and white people start, you know, infiltrating areas that had always been black or, you know, had been black for a very long time. Yeah. Uh, I, (laughs) when I think about gentrification, because it's it's happening everywhere, right? And there is, uh, there's a neighborhood here in Dallas and it's like South Dallas, Oak Cliff. And um, there's some really, they're older homes. And so most of the people who live over there, their houses are paid for. They've been living there forever. The houses are paid off. But property taxes now are so high, right? That that the people who live in their paid off homes can't afford to stay in their home that they paid off because the taxes are now $9,000 a year or something like wild. And so what they're doing is, of course, you know, the houses are going up for auction. The, the houses are being auctioned off and and then they're building the apartment. And so yeah. sometimes I feel a little bad about it because I like to go down to that area <laughs> and yeah. it's like super cute. You know, it's really cute. They have like restaurants and just like things to do down there. Yes. But, yes. you know, it's terrible because somebody somebody's house was taken away from them so that they could build this nice like walking area or like mm-hmm. patio, like, you know, great brunch spots and, and coffee, yeah. coffee places. And so um, it's sad and, and it's like lower income, it is lower income, but it might not have been lower income when they moved in, you know? Right. Um, yeah. Like why, I guess I wonder why do, just to make a, a place nicer, Right, because sometimes like houses need to be updated or fixed up. But absolutely, 
just to make something nicer doesn't mean you have to take away from someone. Like, right. why do why does anybody have to lo lose their family home? Right. Just for a coffee shop, you know, like yeah. Like, why can't it be okay? Yeah, we want to make your neighborhood better. So, like, not I, that doesn't even sound right. Better, like, we we want to clean it up a little bit because, like, you know, when you're older, I think it's harder to take care of like the yard and things like that. But it, why do you need to make it so expensive that now these people just can no longer even live in their homes? And then where are they supposed to go? Because a lot right. of people are on fixed incomes. Exactly. Like, exactly. Where where can you go live? So it's, it's there, there used to be used to be a song that said something like they tore down paradise to build up a parking lot. Yes, I know what song it is. Take paradise, put up a parking lot. Yes. Something dumb. I was like, I know I have this wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Hey paradise. Yeah, where people are comfortable and like you know your neighbors. Because that doesn't happen anymore either. Like right. knowing your neighbors and all this stuff. I know one neighbor. Well, the houses are built in a way that doesn't encourage it, though. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, when, when I was growing up, the houses had porches. Mm -hmm. And people would come out and they had a front porch. And people yeah. would come out and sit on their front porch. Yeah. And so your front porch was, you know, maybe 10 to you know, 15 feet away from my front porch and we'd sit there and, and talk, talk to each other. Yes. And, uh, you know, you, as you, you know, watched your, your kids and they're playing in the front yard and, you know, those kinds of things. And, yeah. um, and I noticed, uh, when I was, um, in college one summer, I was a good humor girl. I drove the good humor truck. And, Ice cream uh, truck? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, so in the poorer neighborhoods, uh, I'd go through and I'd ring my little bell and uh, the kids would swarm out, you know, yeah. and they and their parents would come out and, you know, the, the truck would be just, you know, surrounded with kids and their parents and mm -hmm. they'd buy good humors. Mm -hmm. Well, then I, I, I got to um, go to some of the, uh, middle class uh, neighborhood, mm -hmm. right? And the number one thing I noticed was not that many kids were outside in the front yard. Mm -hmm. right? And uh, the ones who were, um, you would hear them say, Mom, Mom, the good, mm -hmm. good humor guy, the good humor guy. Yeah. And, uh, and you'd hear the parents say, uh, if you want some ice cream, come in the house. I got ice cream in the refrigerator. Oh, yeah. Let me ask you this. So before y'all move, because I, oh, in my mind, tell me if I'm wrong, I always thought that Canterbury was kind of like an affluent neighborhood. Because they had like yeah. big houses, like they were all mixed houses, nice brick houses. So yeah. um, before y'all moved over there, where were y'all living? We lived on a street called Vinewood. And that mm -hmm. was street we were living on when the um, Detroit riots occurred of the 60s. Mm. Yes, I saw a movie about that. I was going to ask you about it. Yeah. yeah. And um, um, our 
it was an all black neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was walking distance to our uh, elementary school and to our junior high school. Mm -hmm. And our, our block of Vinewood was bordered by Warren Avenue mm -hmm. and a street called Hancock. Hancock was, you know, like residential, but mm -hmm. Warren Avenue was a business street. Oh, okay. Um, so when the uh, riots occurred, and I have to tell you about the first day, the first day of the riot, okay? Okay. Me, mama, and daddy had gone to a bid and bridge tournament, okay? <laughs> and we had all won something. Okay. And, and the prizes were all like small appliances, you know, mm -hmm. uh, Toaster, toaster oven, yeah, um, mixer, things like that, right? Yeah. And uh, because they were they were prizes, um, they weren't wrapped. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They were just you know, and you would go up and you would pick. So um, we each had we each had won something, and we so we each had a a small appliance type thing in the car, and we had not heard that the riot had broken out. Okay. Yeah. Because I think it was on a Sunday. We probably went to church and then yeah. afterwards we went to sleep. So we hadn't heard about it. So we're on our way home and we see police cars uh, with four cops per car. Wow. With, with rifles poking out of the windows. Oh my. I, I had never seen anything like that before. Yeah. And, uh, and I was like, did you see that, Daddy? What do you think is going on? He was like, I don't know. I yeah. don't know why they had rifles sticking out the windows. Yeah. And there were seemed like there were a lot of cop cars, you know, uh, as that we passed on the way home. So we get to our street, mm -hmm. and everybody is sitting on their front porch. Yeah. Everybody. Okay, that never happens. I mean, there's always somebody on the front porch, but, but not everybody. Yeah. And so we pull up to our house and we get out with our, Your our yes. and um, we didn't know that while while that was going on, while we were coming home, people were going up to and the business street. Right, looting, okay, <laughs> and coming down the street with televisions and, oh my. <laughs> and things like that, right? So yeah. we looked like we had, had made looting a family affair. <laughs> so we go in with our, our loot. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, my mom asked the next door neighbor, what is going on? Yeah. And that's when we found out that, you know, there was a riot going mm -hmm. on. And they and, were like, is that uh, where y'all just came from? <laughs> right, right. You know, so I, and I don't know if they believed us, you know, <laughs> it, it, it seemed awfully convenient. <laughs> but, um, that was probably the scariest time of my life. How long did that last? It was like days. Days, yeah. Um, your 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 dad um, 
went to work and he mm-hmm. he worked um he worked the afternoon shift which mm-hmm. meant and there was a curfew right yeah and so he was on the street after curfew mm. and he he rode the bus mm-hmm. uh and so you know he had a block to walk when he got off the bus and um it was you know that was scary we had we had walkie talkies so we could hear like what was going on yeah hear like police you know Mm -hmm. uh, calls and stuff like that at night we got on the floor because um there was shooting you could hear shooting oh my goodness and uh so we didn't know if you know a bullet could come through a window or something like that i we i don't think we even dreamed that a bullet could come through a wall but yeah. we knew a bullet could come through you know a, a window so yeah we stayed on the floor and um daddy worked midnights mm. so you know at night and and one night um one evening mm-hmm. Before it got dark, a, a car full of white guys drove through our neighborhood and said, uh, last night, y'all burned our business. Tonight, we coming back and burning your house. Oh, my gosh. They drove through the neighborhood threatening yeah. us like that. And so we believed them, right? I mean, right, rightfully so. Um, that is scary. But, you know, it was scary, you know, because yeah. we never knew. And we were worried about Jerry because, yeah. um, you know, he 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 was out after uh, curfew. Yeah. And then Ronnie got arrested. Oh, my. Um, because um, the, the story he told us mm-hmm. was that he was with some guys who were looting, but he stayed in the car. Of course. And of course. And that um, because he stayed in the car, he got caught. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the guys that he was with mm-hmm. ran when they saw the police, and they didn't get caught. Oh, and okay. We, we believed him. Okay. <laughs> that and wasn't he, true. He just was like, wasn't. He was convincing. <laughs> he was convincing in his storytelling. <laughs> he was. It made sense to me that he was sitting in the car not recognizing that the police were coming and he couldn't take off running like they could. Yeah, he was minding his business. <laughs> he just wasn't <laughs> Oh, man. The worst thing about that um, situation is that <clears throat> a number of the businesses that were burned, mm-hmm. you know, never came back. Mm. And so uh, a lot of things that were convenient for us to get to yeah we you know wanted to uh you know buy something there there was we had to go out of the area you needed you needed a car you needed to take a bus or yeah. something like that you know and in exactly. those days uh there was generally one one car to a household yeah we, everybody didn't everybody grown didn't have a car not everybody not was on the car right gotcha <laughs> so um but uh, that was probably the scariest time of my life because I, I literally believed that they were going to come back to burn the houses, you know. And mm-hmm. um, 
I would I was it was also um, during the time when I was driving the the good humor truck. Yeah, and um, I um, I was a I was a, a substitute, and so I didn't always have the same truck. And you mm -hmm. were supposed to gas up your truck the night before, right? When mm -hmm. you came in that night, you were supposed to gas up your truck. Yeah. Well, I was driving a truck that I hadn't driven the day before, and the driver had not gassed up the car. But I didn't truck. I didn't know. I didn't pay attention to the gas gauge. Yeah. And so I didn't know that's what the deal was. Ran out of gas in a in a neighborhood that was at least mostly white. I don't know if it was all white or yeah. mostly white. And so I'm stuck on the side of the road and this guy, white guy comes up and, you know, asks if I need some help. Well, I'm afraid to accept help from him, right? Wow. Because, you know, this yeah. is kind of during the riot time. I think yeah. the riot part was over, but it was- tension. Was, yeah. And uh, so he said, so how much, uh, and so he, he calls himself helping me and he looked under the hood and stuff. And his small talk was, so how much loop did you get when, uh, during the riots? Oh, wow. And, uh, right. like, I got, I, as a matter of fact, I got a toaster. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so I thought, oh Lord, so this yeah. man, you know, wants to take it out on me. They probably burned his business and now he wants yeah. to take it out on me. And so I said, well, you know, my mom, my parents weren't having it. So mm -hmm. we didn't, we didn't get any loot. Yeah. And then, so he said, oh, come on now. I'm sure you got something. I said, no, no, we didn't, we didn't get anything. Mm -hmm. And uh, so anyway, he, he said, I, I think you're out of gas. And I said, oh, no, we gas, we gas them up at, you know, the night before, right? And yeah. I knew I had gas mine up. I forgot this wasn't the truck I was driving. Yeah. And uh, so he said, well, I'm going to go and get you some gas and let's see. Because, mm -hmm. you know, we didn't have cell phones. You couldn't just call Good back call. to the, Right? Yeah. And so, um, so he went to the gas station and brought back some gas mm -hmm. and put it in there. And sure enough, it started up. Yeah. And uh, as it turned out, he was, you know, just a nice guy. Just a nice guy. Right. But, but it scared me. Yeah. Because I didn't know, I didn't know what he was getting at, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I knew, and, and he was a young man. So, I mean, if he had been an old dude, I would have thought, well, if he messed with me, I would kick his butt. <laughs> you can take him out. <laughs> <laughs> but... He was a young man, so yeah. I, you know, I, I and I couldn't drive away. So yeah. I'm sitting here vulnerable. Yeah. Uh, praise and God. Yeah, praise the Lord. And praise so that's God. kind of what I was gonna ask you also, because I know you love the Lord. And um, so how did what role did your faith kind of play in your life during that time? I hadn't really grown into my faith yet, uh -huh. to, yeah. you know, to be honest. Um, I, I'd been in the church um, since preschool. I don't have a memory of, of when I first went to church, okay? Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was a, pre a preschooler. And um, 
I grew up in the church mm. and I, um, when I was about 11, um, I found out that, you know, I wanted to be in the choir. Yes. And I found out that you, you can't be in the choir unless you join the church. Yeah. Get baptized. <laughs> yes. Okay. So I was like, okay, well then I'll join the church and get baptized because I want to be in the choir and I wanted to be an usher and mm -hmm. I participated in the red circle and you know everything mm -hmm. that they had for young people um I was a part of that mm -hmm. but it was social oh it, it was expected and I was a parent pleaser mm -hmm. um, I wanted my parents to be proud of me yeah and and it was just routine I mean Sunday you went to church. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And um, if you wanted to participate, you participated. Mm -hmm. And so in my mind, as I thought back about that, what what role did, did my faith play? And um, I, I, I realized that I grew into my faith as an adult. Mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. And however, just the fact that um, I was in the church my whole life. Yes. Yeah. I was um, supported. Mm -hmm. I was encouraged. Mm -hmm. People believed in me. Yeah. Um, I, I was able to win oratorical contests and take home trophies and mm -hmm. All of those things built up my confidence in yeah. myself, and so I wasn't I wasn't around people who were putting me down because I was black. Yeah, I was around people who were saying you can't do that because you're black. Yeah, you know, I was around people who were encouraging and yeah. supporting. And yeah, I, and and so while my own understanding of my relationship with God mm -hmm. wasn't really there, you know, mm -hmm. um, I had to grow into that. God had shaped a world for me where yeah. I could flourish. Yeah. You know? That's and, good. Uh, so I, I was, I was blessed to be in that environment and, and it was an environment where, you know, people were, doing good things kids were doing you know christian mm -hmm. things yeah I, and so my influences mm -hmm. were primarily christian influences gotcha <laughs> yeah that that makes sense and and that's that's real talk though because i mean i go to a church now where there's a lot of younger people like 24 25 and i look at them and i'm like dang y'all y'all figure this fake thing out like early yeah. because you know when I was 24 25 I was in I've always been in the church you know no memories without it my mom played piano <laughs> like, so we were in the choir I was right. sure you know all exactly. the things so there is not a memory of a time where it was of an absence but like you said like growing into the relationship that's something completely different but yes. thankfully the Lord protects us Yes. During that time that we're having to do that growing. 
and like yes. having the positive influence and probably the people praying over you. Yes. To protect you during that also. Yes. So. There, there, was a, there was a song they used to uh, sing at, at, at church. Somebody prayed for me. Mm -hmm. Had me on their mind. Took a little time and prayed for me. I'm so glad they prayed. I'm so glad they prayed. I'm so glad they prayed for me. I was like, I'm about to start that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, it's, it's so true. Like, uh, the power of prayer. I, I heard a pastor preaching one Sunday, and he called it um, hedge prayers. And so, um, and he was like, you know, we we pray for the Lord to put a hedge of protection around yeah. Right. And so, of course, sometimes adversity is going to come to you. Adversity is going to hit you. But what about all those protection, that protection that you had that everything didn't hit you? And yeah. he was like, you know, we need to get head praise. And I was like, yes, that's real talk. <laughs> that's yes. real talk. It could have been a lot worse. So many exactly. other things you could have. And exactly. so, um, I love, I love this conversation though, because like, I just love hearing like, you know, I, how you say, I was never told that I couldn't do this because, and um, a lot of people have heard that even, even now, well, you can't have that job because your hair yeah. doesn't look right. Like, you know, or you yeah. don't speak appropriately, all these different things. Yeah. And so you were surrounded I, you can do this because yes. <laughs> like, yes. and so, you know, that's, that's, that's fantastic. And, and it did protect you and kind of probably kept you, kept you safe. Right. During For all sure. those different times, like kept you safe because, because of the foundation that you had, it made you take a second thought about certain decisions. Right. And so, right. you know, that's, and not wanting, I, I, I never wanted to embarrass my parents. I wanted them to be proud of me. You know? I get it. I feel that. Uh, and my and, and Ma used to kind of control me with, um, I, I, I came home, like, I partied until, I don't know, three, four o'clock in the morning. Ooh. And, uh, you know, I, that was way past my, my curfew. Mm -hmm. Although I was fully grown. I understand. Uh -huh. Yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, but she was like, I'm, I'm not going to be able to walk down the street with my head held high. <laughs> but people know that you came in at three o'clock in the morning. And I said, well, Ma, uh, what were they doing awake at three o'clock in the morning? Were they Looking coming in too? <laughs> that is so funny. People know. People are going to know. <laughs> That's so funny. Like, but but, I, but I, it's okay. I did want to I did want to please her and yeah yes 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 I you know what this has kind of gone a little bit different than than we thought it was gonna go but I have just enjoyed this conversation though so bye bye so yes bye. yes I've enjoyed it so one last question because I just this the Canterbury neighborhood. I'm telling you, I, I thought y'all were the Hudsons. I thought that was a Hudsonville house growing up. I was like, <laughs> there was the blue room that had the chess table. I was like, 
years. So what prompted the move into that neighborhood? Well, you know, daddy was always um, um, a person that was, you know, striving to do better, you know, uh-huh. to, to uh, meet his dreams. And so, you know, the first house that we lived in was on the east side. Okay. And it, it, um, it had no basement. It had, um, it had uh, no dining room. It had a kitchen, a living room, and I think three bedrooms and, of course, a bathroom. Yeah. You know, bigger, better place. And so yeah. then we moved from Vinewood. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, it was a big house. We had four bedrooms and uh, a living room, a dining yeah. room, a kitchen, a basement, um, and, a, and a room. I don't know what you would call it, but for the... For the sake of conversation, let's just call it a Florida room. Florida and, room? Uh, What's a Florida room? <laughs> well, it's got like, um, I think they call them French windows. Oh, okay. So a lot of light. Gotcha. And okay. It was all, it was at the front of the house and mm. it was right off, it was separated from the living room uh, by like a archway. He was looking for something bigger and better. Yes. And uh, um, that was, you know, kind of the neat thing about Mm -hmm. daddy is that um, he wanted to provide his family with the best that he could. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. uh, That, and which daddy gave me, unfortunately, a um a model to strive for yes uh somehow i I didn't i didn't make it i didn't get one (laughs) i mean there's still time there's still time it's running out (laughs) running out (laughs) i mean hey never know know. (laughs) i was like it could be running out for all of us very quickly Very quickly. Yeah. So I have really thoroughly enjoyed this conversation and I can't wait to share it, um, share it with our friends in the, yeah. inter- in the interwebs. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Interwebs and we'll have to do it again because there's so many things that we did not touch on that we, we were kind of talking about previously. Yeah. Um, so we might have to do a part two somewhere down the road. Thank you for taking time on this Friday evening. It was fun. Yeah. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Thank you for coming on here and being my first guest. Thank you for inviting me. Yes, yes. And we'll I never d- did a podcast before, so yay. Yay. Yes. <laughs> so exciting. And I haven't done this. And so um, I'm glad we could do it together. Me too. Yes. All right. So we'll talk soon. Okay, darling. Love you. Love you too.